As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O Steve, whatever the word is, Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestors David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with faulty plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. Lord Herod Antipas Pontipus Pilate, the governor, the the gentles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus. You your holy servant whom you anointed, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miracles, signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Wonderful job. Thank you so much, Charlie. Like I said, don't we just love having our kids involved in church life? It's just wonderful. I believe it was Benjamin Franklin who once said, nothing is certain except death and taxes. Isn't that the truth of it? But I think you could add another long list of other certainties to that statement, including the assurance that at some point in your life, you are going to face a disaster or a crisis of some sort. Would you agree? It might be a crisis of health, of family, finance, maybe a natural disaster, a crisis of, uh, in a relationship or, or perhaps even a death of, of someone uh, significant and untimely. You know, we can all be cruising along just beautifully in life, can't we? And then wham, a huge, big, unexpected thing happens. Suddenly life that had been predictable is not so certain, is it? Things that you thought were in your control, you realise they're not. 
where you thought you'd been competent and courageous, now you're just floundering and uncertain. And the thing with crises is they'll often present a challenge to our faith in some way, don't they? Suddenly you can be not so sure about God's love, God's nearness, his ability to provide for you. You might have a crisis of obedience. Can I really follow God when? When bad things happen. When I'm feeling so overwhelmed. When I'm feeling so full of grief. God feels so distant. He doesn't seem to be helping me. Can I really trust God? And I think if you have a pulse today, you'll have experienced some of those things already in your life and possibly many more in the future. So what are we to do in a crisis? If you're running a business, you might put together an emergency management plan. If you're at school, you'll know that the school here has a plan if there's an emergency. You know, you do fire drills, don't you? That's right. What happens? A, a bell rings, does it? Yep, long bell and you have to exit the classroom and you have to go somewhere. So you have a, an emergency plan and you practice for it, don't you? In case there was an emergency, there's a plan in place so you know exactly what to do. Um, a crisis, you know, you need to plan for a crisis because in a crisis it can affect your physical body in pretty significant ways, meaning that you might not know exactly what to do in a crisis unless you've already decided what to do before the crisis comes. So did you know that when you're in some sort of crisis or emergency or some sort of very, very stressful situation, you can have difficulty thinking, difficulty remembering information? Perhaps you've experienced that. You can suddenly be overwhelmed with uncertainty and fear and anxiety and helplessness and hopelessness. Maybe you might get angry, you might be in denial, you might panic even. Your brain in a crisis, do you know what it does? It tells your body to produce this thing called adrenaline and cortisol and so your heart beats fast and your breathing becomes rapid and your, your blood pressure increases and I probably should have our registered nurse up here explaining all of these things. But your body gets on high alert and there's a flight or fight response. You know, if the crisis is ongoing and long term, you might have trouble sleeping, you might have hormonal imbalances, fatigue, your immune system might become a bit faulty, there might be inflammation in your body, you might have digestive issues, increased physical pain. It's quite comprehensive, isn't it, what happens to us in a crisis? As a person, what do you do when a crisis comes? As a follower of Jesus, here's the challenge for us. Do we handle a crisis differently to everyone else? Because we should, shouldn't we? But perhaps we often don't. In a crisis, you're not going to be thinking straight and you need a simple, straightforward way of coping that you've thought out beforehand. And so today what I want us to think about is having a faith 
emergency management plan for times of crisis. The same way that you might have an emergency fire drill plan, hey, as people, let's have a, an emergency management plan for our faith and our life when crisis comes. And you need one of these because in a crisis, as I've said, you're not going to think straight. We default to faulty thinking and we start to believe lies about God or lies about ourselves. We make unwise choices. We get fearful. We might get offended. And I, I think as I look around, I see that Christians often use exactly the same coping mechanisms as unbelievers in a crisis. But I'm telling you, God gives you a whole uh, different way of coping when things get hard and difficult. So we're going to actually look at Acts chapter 4, as Charlie read for us, verse 23 to 31, and we're going to see what the disciples do when they're faced with a crisis. So as you'll know, Peter and John, they've been imprisoned, haven't they? They were preaching Jesus, and they were preaching that Jesus rose from the dead. And the leaders didn't like it, and so they forbid them from speaking Jesus, they threaten them, and then they send them away. Now, this presents a bit of a problem for the disciples because the last person that offended uh, the religious hierarchy got himself beaten beyond recognition and crucified. And I, I just That doesn't sound real appealing, does it? And this is, this is the beginning of significant persecution and trial for the new church. What are they going to do? What will this mean for their mission? It's a bit of a problem. It's a bit of a crisis at hand. Now, I know what we might do. We'd probably freak out. You know, but God, I, I, I thought, you know, when I gave my life to you, it's all going to be simple and straightforward. But, but here now, there's a problem. I'm suffering. Or maybe, God, you've, you've given us this calling, but it's not working. There's stuff stopping us doing it. There's stuff stopping me living out that calling. You might be thinking, this Christian stuff just doesn't seem to be working. Everyone just hates me and I now have more problems than I did before. What do you do in a crisis? Here's what the disciples do. They go straight to their friends and they tell them what happened and they pray together. So verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So what I want you to know today is this. In a time of crisis, the important thing to do is to pray together. That's it right there. In a time of crisis... The important thing to do is to pray together. And by together, I mean in unity. They had the same prayer, the same heart, the same desire. They were all in agreement. They were praying in unity. And more than that, they were praying together, physically, in the same room, in the same place, with one another. So when you are facing a crisis, get together with one another, with your church, with your group, Christian friends and pray. In times of crisis, church, we need one another. 
Peter and John went to, to their people, to their group, to their buddies for encouragement and support. And it makes a huge difference in a crisis knowing that other people have got your back. Other people are interested. There are people who know you and get you and care for you. The worst thing you can do in a crisis is to pull away from other people and isolate yourself. But that's the thing that we so often do. Without others to share our burdens, you know, you, you easily become overwhelmed and you stop thinking straight. Without others to share your burdens, you know, um, it's so easy to maybe act in disobedience to God's plans or even worse, to make some rash and very tragic decisions. When your strength is failing, you need the strength of other people. You need the strength of the church to remind you that you're not alone, that others will help you through this crisis and that your people, your church, they'll be praying for you, they'll be leaving for you, they'll be exercising faith on your behalf even if you are finding faith difficult in that circumstance. You know, when I struggle with some sort of situation, I experience a lot of those physical symptoms that I read out before. And, and in, that, in that experience, and maybe you can relate, it's, it's hard to have a clear head. Okay? It's, it's hard to have a clear heart in those crisis situations. And so it's hard to pray those big and bold faith-filled prayers. And what a relief it is to know that other Christians can exercise faith on my behalf in that moment. That I can kind of come under the faith umbrella of other people. You know, that's why I love being part of the church. Because when my faith fails, someone else is there. And I can come under their faith. And they'll pray for me. They'll pray with me together. What is it that the believers are praying for here in this verse? Are, are they asking for blessing? Are they asking for favour? Are they asking for protection from their enemies? Are they asking for peace? Are they asking to be safe and secure? They're asking to, for, for comfort and certainty. Are they, you know, rebuking the enemy and casting out the demonic? Are they doing any of those things? Let's read. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand what should happen. Do you know what they're doing? They're, they're declaring and reminding themselves that, that God's sovereign, that he's in control that he's all-powerful, that he has a plan, and that even though there is a threat or a crisis at hand, they're reminding themselves that God is both competent and God is capable. 
He is more than able to deal with those threats and still carry out his plan for the world. Here's the thing, when the enemy or when evil looks so powerful and looks like it's winning, we can feel weak and helpless, isn't it? Can't we? But when we praise God for his sovereignty, we're declaring that despite our suffering, despite the presence of evil that we are facing, God is in control. And God has a plan. And so when you get this revelation of the sovereignty of God, you're going to realise that that crisis doesn't have the final word, does it? Christ does. Is that true? When God is sovereign, the crisis doesn't have the final word. Christ does. Do you believe that? Is it true? This is the the, the deep revelation. And and look, I can tell it to you, but but only God can can make it come alive inside of you. And this this is the deep revelation that we need to have to be obedient followers who are full of courage in the face of crisis. And you are gonna... You're going to come face to face with some situations in your life that you need the courage of Jesus. If you stop believing that God is God, that that the Lord is the sovereign Lord, you know what? There's no one left to worship, to obey, to trust and to look to for salvation. You've got to have this stuff settled in your heart that God is sovereign You know, the whole foundation of your faith will crumble if you don't get this. This is a crucial revelation. David Platt says this, the sovereignty of God is the only foundation for worship in the midst of tragedy. What do you think about that? How about this one, Stephen Lawson? Some Christians live in such fear They act as if they believe in the sovereignty of Satan rather than the sovereignty of God. We've got to get this sovereignty thing settled in our hearts once and for all. When you are in a crisis, how is it that you are going to remind yourself of God's presence, his power and his authority in that situation? What difference will it make in how you cope with a crisis? In a time of crisis, the important thing to do is to pray together. The important thing to know is God's sovereignty. You got that? The important thing to go and do is to pray together. The important thing to know is God's sovereignty. Thirdly, though, The important thing to ask for, the important thing to ask for is boldness. Verse 29, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I don't know if you wake up in the morning and think, Lord, today I want to speak your word with great boldness. Is that ever something on your heart? Lord, make me bold when I'm at school. Make me bold. Why did they ask for boldness? 
Why not just ask for protection or something else? Why boldness? I'll tell you why. Because they wanted to fulfill God's mission. They want to be obedient to the call of God and the purposes in his purposes in the world. I mean, they've been called to bring the message of Jesus to their world and they need boldness to do that, not protection. They need boldness. And what did they get? When they prayed that prayer, Lord, make us bold, what did they get? Did they get a cup of tea? A roast chicken dinner? What did they get? They got boldness. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. You can't be obedient to Jesus unless you are filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is God's empowering presence, his gift of himself to us to enable us to live the Christian life, whether that's sharing the gospel or whether that's loving your neighbour or whatever that is, you need the gift of the Spirit. You get the Spirit so that you can obey. You don't obey to get the Spirit. You got that one settled in your mind, I hope, in your heart. So you get the spirit so that you can obey Jesus. It's not obey Jesus so I can get the spirit. The flow goes this way. So it's the spirit that anoints you with bold faith. Spirit anoints bold faith. It's not your bold faith that gets you anointed with the spirit. The flow goes only one way. What I love about this prayer, and if you have a look at it there in your Bibles, what I love about it is most of their prayer meeting is a prayer of worship about the sovereignty of God. That's what they spend most of their time praying and praising and declaring God's sovereignty. And it's this one tiny little short line that says... Hey, Lord, we're being threatened. Give us boldness to live out our mission. Boldness, it's really about courage and confidence despite difficulty and hardship. Boldness is is not denying the difficulty. You, You don't have to somehow pretend that the difficulty is not there. You don't have to pretend that the problem is not a problem or the struggle is not a struggle. Boldness is about having the cheerful courage to persevere anyway. It's this this free and fearless confidence. Don't you want that? A free and fearless confidence? A cheerful courage? Doesn't that sound good? When we face a crisis, whether it's opposition to the gospel or any other crisis that comes in your life, we need boldness. We need boldness that comes as a gift from God. So, in a time of crisis, the important thing to do is to pray together. The important thing to know is God's sovereignty. The important thing to ask for is boldness. Finally, in a time of crisis, the important thing to believe for 
is a sign. Verse 30, stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The disciples know that for the message of the gospel to be heard and received, especially in the context of hostility and opposition, they knew that God needs to be experienced by people, doesn't he? God needs to be encountered. There's an expression of power that comes with the gospel because the gospel is all about the sovereign Lord. And so I think we can anticipate, we can expect, we can look for signs that confirm God's love and God's presence and God's power. Signs that are going to encourage us and guide us. Do you agree? I think it's helpful, though, to remember that signs are like signposts. They point us to God, but they're not the sum total of God. They're not God. They point us to God, but they're not God. I want you to think of it like this. Imagine you're travelling along a highway. Trucks, (laughs) car with a trailer, you know, overtaking, and... You're heading towards Wagga. Let's say you're travelling from Sydney to Wagga and you see one of those green signs, you know those green road signs that have the list of towns and the kilometres, how far away they are. All right, you've got a picture of one of them in your mind. And you see that the town of Wagga is is 100 kilometres away and that sign is pointing you in the direction of Wagga, isn't it? It's telling you where to go to find Wagga. It's confirming that Wagga indeed exists and you are on the right road to get there. But it's silly, isn't it, to say that that sign is Wagga. I mean, if I was to say to you, yep, that's Wagga, you'd be like, no, it's not. That's a sign pointing to Wagga, Annette, but it's not Wagga. You know, if you stopped at that sign and you camped there for the night and you said, well, I've been to Wagga. This is all I need to know about Wagga. This is the full experience of Wagga. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Miracles point us to God. They reveal him. They show us what he's like. They confirm his power and sovereignty. Miracles are significant. Miracles are important, but don't camp there. Miracles are not the sum total of what it means to know God or live in his kingdom. Because sometimes God doesn't give us that miracle we ask for doesn't give us that sign we want. The miracle, the, mon- the, the wonder, it, it, it might not actually eventuate when we want it to eventuate. Sometimes God, he's silent and he does seem distant to us at times. You'll hear people talk about the, the great dark night of the soul and things that in a season of crisis, we can, we can desperately want God to stretch out his hand and prove that he's there, but, but sometimes that sign is not forthcoming. It's a bit like a, a trip I did recently. I was travelling on some of the crazy windy back roads between here and Orange I know some of us travel those roads frequently, so maybe they don't seem so crazy to you, but, oh, there's potholes everywhere. Half the time I didn't have a clue where I was. And I was um, just unfamiliar with the road and the turns. Okay. 
and my phone GPS stopped working. And, and there was the occasional one of those green signs, but it just really wasn't enough. They never seemed to say the right towns on it. Like I'm looking for it to say Tamora or Coolerman. Uh, but there was not one single sign as I'm traveling from Orange to here that, that said Coolerman until I was you know, well and truly over the other side of Tamora. So the signs I needed, they just weren't there. And I kind of had to drive by what I sort of knew in faith to, to get me home, kind of trusting that eventually I'd end up in the right place. Okay, this locality, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's somewhere near where I need to go. I'll just head in that direction. And so when I say in a crisis, look to God for a sign, be aware that the sign might not be what you wish it would be, and it might not be where you would wish it to be. So don't let a lack of a miracle cause an even greater faith crisis in you. However, that said, in a time of crisis, we can and should look to God for a sign. When we are being a witness to unbelievers in hostile culture, you can ask for a sign. When we are being obedient to God's word, you can ask for a sign. We can believe that God will confirm his word. I recently had a friend, unbeliever, who uh, her father had a need. And it's quite a significant need. And they'd been waiting for about two years to have this need met. It's becoming quite problematic and quite dangerous, actually, for the, the father. It was, it was a life-threatening sort of need. And, and so I said to, to my friend, I said, well, I'll pray that he gets his need met soon. And you know what? Within two weeks, that need was met. <laughs> and when she told me, she sent me a message, and her message started with, well, it seems small miracles do happen. And uh, I thought, amen, that's great. Thank you, Lord. You know, you've confirmed uh, your, your presence and your power in this situation with a sign. And so really the, the, the best sign that I think, though, we can receive in a crisis is a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Don't you think? In a crisis, that's the best sign. God's presence filling you freshly. And that's what happened to the disciples. Have a look at verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? We might be enacting emergency plans and exiting the building. I'm not sure it's Holy Spirit or earthquake. <laughs> but after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Now, notice... They've already received the Holy Spirit, haven't they? We had the whole Pentecost episode, didn't we? But there was a new need at hand. There was a fresh need at hand. And so there was a fresh need for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've experienced something similar. And there have certainly been times when I've experienced God's presence in a, in a physically noticeable way. Not so much the building shaking, but kind of me as the, the temple ends up shaking uh, quite a bit. You know, when we, we are filled with 
uh, when we experience the Holy Spirit, this fillness, we're filled with a new spiritual vitality. And there's a new excitement there for God, isn't there? There's a new excitement for the mission. And, and you'll notice that you get just this free and fearless confidence. There's a courage there. And, and things that seemed to be a problem before, suddenly you're just like, no, nah, I'm all over this. Let's, let's do it. Because you're filled with the freshness of the Holy Spirit. In a time of crisis, what do we need to do? We need to pray together. In a time of crisis, what do we need to know? God's sovereignty. In a time of crisis, what do we need to ask for? Boldness. And in a time of crisis, what do we need to believe for? A sign. So, where does that leave us? What are you going to do when a crisis comes? I want to challenge you. Will you make a plan to to, to be ready for that crisis, for that faith emergency? Will you make a plan? Will you make like an Acts 4.24 plan? Do that. Do that. Make an Acts 4.24 plan. And even now as you're sitting there, you know, you, you might like to just think or, or jot down in your phone or if you're making notes, jot down a few quick notes for your, your faith emergency plan, Acts 4.24 plan. Who, who are the people that you're going to go to and pray together with when a crisis comes? Who are your people? Who are you going to reach out to? Who are you going to go and visit? And it might be as simple as, I'm getting along to Tuesday, small group, because I know them are people, I know they like to pray, and I know when we're there, well, the room doesn't quite shake, but it gets close sometimes. (laughs) Who are you going to go to? How are you going to remind yourself of God's sovereignty? That's the next bit. How? Are there some scriptures that you could use? Write them down. Have them ready. Don't try and find them when there's a crisis. Have them written down ready. The ones you're going to go to. Maybe there are some quotes from Christian authors that just encourage you. Maybe there's a sermon podcast that you know just talks about God's sovereignty and power. So make a list. Write down some stuff on how you are going to remind yourself of God's sovereignty. And then ask. Maybe you could just jot down in your 424 plan there a short prayer asking God for boldness and for a sign. Who, how, and ask. Write down just a short prayer you can pray asking for boldness, asking for a sign. And I encourage you, put that where you're going to find it. Stick it in your Bible, put it on your fridge, somewhere where you are going to find it. And when a crisis comes, you know where you need to go, to your faith emergency plan. Don't default uh, to, to coping in a crisis with the way you've always done before or the way everyone else in the world does. Because as a Christian, as Christians, we have a far greater way of dealing with crisis, don't we? So let's do that. Let me pray with you. Lord, we just 
We just pray that when a crisis comes, we would uh, really look to you as the as not just the solution for that crisis, but as the one who guides us through that crisis, as the one who brings wisdom and encouragement and just a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to help us navigate that crisis. Lord, we want to be people who are obedient to you. And we know that whether, whether things are easy or whether things are hard, we need a filling of the Holy Spirit to give us that boldness and that courage and that fearlessness to just live obediently to Jesus. So Lord, if, um, you know, if we currently don't have people in our life that we can pray with when a crisis comes, would you just show us, would you reveal who those people would be? Would you give us uh, just opportunity to reach out to people so that we know we've got uh, just a group of people who have our back so that we can come under their, their, their faith covering, their faith courage when, when our faith might uh, flounder a bit. Lord, we look to you as the one who is sovereign over all things in our life and over all things in this world. And even today, those things that maybe um, are somewhat of a, of a crisis or a problem or a difficulty in our life, we hold them up to you. You are the sovereign Lord. You are the creator you are majesty. You are one filled with all glory and all authority. And so we just look to you as our, as our Lord, as our Saviour, as our Redeemer. Lord, would you just fill your people with great boldness, with great courage. Would they speak the word with great conviction? Would they love others with a, a, an unfailing love. And Lord, fill us freshly with your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.